Yes, we're back. It's episode 21 of the Hibs Rambo. Uh, as you can hear, Craig isn't here tonight. Neither is Mark. It's just me and uh, and the beautiful Sean. How are how are things, mate, after the weekend? Uh, things are good, mate. Looking forward to things coming up. Um, things we have planned. So um, I'm optimistic and excited for the future. Not dwelling on the past. <laughs> I mean, we're going to have to do on well, the past in, in some yeah, capacity. In some capacity today, we're talking on Monday, the Monday after the Saturday before. Um, obviously, we we went through to Kilmarnock, and you know I think we all thought that we were going to at least you know, come away with something from the game, and we've ended up getting getting beat one 0 in typical Hibs fashion, all over them for eight to nine minutes, and then one minute plus two minutes of stoppage time with VR check. <laughs> and come on, and score a goal. Uh, we'll jump straight into it, Sean. The lineup. Were you surprised with the changes that Johnson made? He brought out he brought out Rocky, Mitchell and Henderson and he put in Chabria Stevenson and Josh Campbell. Were you surprised with the changes or did you expect him to change it up a little bit? I did expect him to change it up purely because of how poor we were. Um, although we as a podcast have been very critical of Chabria in recent weeks, I was glad to see him back in. Um, I wasn't too sure on Stevenson being in there with him because it did throw me off initially because I thought we still had the bloody 3 5 2. Yeah, that's what I thought as well. Um, from a form perspective, hasn't done any good for us. Um, so yeah, I was surprised, and with Campbell being in there as well, I was concerned before the match even started that if it wasn't going to be a 3-5-2 and it was going to be a 4-3-3, that it's a very defensive midfield three, and then you've got Josh Campbell wide right, which um, I'm not too keen on either. Well, I mean, I tweeted before the game from the Ramble account that I was happy to see Josh Campbell back in the starting 11 because I, I feel like he has been one of our more influential players so far this season. Uh, I don't think he was done any favours with the, the position that he was put in. He's been shoehorned into a variety of different positions this season, um, which is, I think, a shame because you know, sometimes... I'm, I'm also not really surprised to see it because... Lee Johnson has been very, very complimentary of, of the young man all, all season, especially at the beginning of the season, all about his work rate. And I think that's probably why he's played so many minutes, not only with the form at the beginning of the season, but because of his work rate and what Lee Johnson sees that he brings to the side. So if he's got the work rate, then that's you know probably why he's, he was comfortable enough to put him out there. But I'm, I'm with you. I, I don't think it's his best position. I think his best position is a more attacking central role. Yeah, no, absolutely for sure. I think what you talk, what you're saying about work rate and stuff. I was saying to my old man when we were at the football, maybe a couple of weeks ago, when he was, you know, I mean, he's he's no scored for a wee while, but you know, I, I feel like he's still been playing well when he's when he's come on. And I've said to my dad, I, I went, um, I think that we are now starting to see the Josh Campbell that Jack Ross and Sean Maloney saw at training. Yeah. Um, which is good, and uh, I mean, I'm I'm more than delighted for Josh Campbell to to have a you know a bit of a turn in form. But listen, we're kind of off on a wee tangent here. Another change for the Kilmarnock game was Harry McCurdy came back in. Now whether it was down to that Instagram comment, whether it was down to an injury, uh, I'm not too sure. I don't think we'll ever know the the actual truth. You know, Lee Johnson might come out and say one thing, but. Yeah, Lee, Lee Johnson. Yeah, Lee Johnson alluded to it in one of his interviews that it was like a, a four, like was it was four weeks or something like that, and, and he did refer to it that it was a an injury that that grew or that, that got worse over time instead of better. So again, I don't know if he's sugarcoating things or or what, but um, Lee Johnson's comments led make me lean towards it being more of an injury although obviously the last previous weeks we've definitely thought it had nothing to do with that <laughs> it did come it did come at quite a convenient time if you were harry mccurdy to be honest yeah. were you happy to see him back amongst the subs though yeah um i've i've 
I've not been shy in, in what I actually think about him um, on the podcast and in regard to, in regards to his quality and stuff like that. But I think where we are at the moment as a club and as a team, I feel like we did um, we did need someone like that on the bench, and we needed someone that was going to be able to come off the bench and, and provide some form of threat, considering how defensive our midfield was as well. So I was glad to see him back in. Um, and I was confident he was going to get a good a good run, which obviously we'll we'll touch on later on. Absolutely. Um, and just one more thing about uh, before we get into the meat and drink of the game, the formation. I mean, I'm looking at different variations of the formation online. Uh, what you've said, what I thought I saw on Saturday, and I still can't really pinpoint what we were actually playing. Do Do you know what we were playing? Uh, we, were, we were playing a 4-3-3 um, and it was a very flat midfield which allowed Stevenson, Newell and Kenna to roam pretty much all over the shop. Um, I did notice quite a bit, especially in the first half, that uh, Newell and Kenna were taking more of the central and the right side of the pitch up and Stevenson was more on the left, which I felt was coming at Trebriah's detriment. Um, because they were kind of getting in each other's way, especially defensively. Um, at points, we were a 4-1-4-1, where Stevenson was like a left mid, and then Melkerson was like left mid as well, and then Campbell was right mid. It was a bit all over the shop. I do think a 4-3-3 and a 4-2-3-1 is our better formation. Um Instead I think on the on the players that we've got, the balance yeah. that a four two three one or you know a, a more defensive four three three gives you is I'm, I'm a massive fan of the three five two if we have the players to do it, but we don't have the I the just players. feel like it like you can't really play a three five two and have Boyle in his most effective position. No, not now, our, not, not now. That's that a three five two with Boyle is a a, a Lennon side. Because obviously yeah. he wasn't an out-and-out striker at that point. Um, but yeah, four-three-three is a good formation for the for the outfit that we have. Um, but I just don't think that's, well, obviously the selection wasn't right because we got beat. Um, I feel like we maybe should have went to two-three-one, maybe even in the first half. Yeah, I mean you can you can definitely see that the selection wasn't right, and I think that it was there from the off. We didn't start well. We didn't start. For me, with enough intensity, with enough urgency, um, you know when you go to Rugby Park, what kind of game you're going to get. It's a Derek McInnes side. You know that they're going to be tall, strong, make themselves difficult to beat. And I feel like that's exactly what they did for not even just the first half, for well, for the whole game, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. Um, in the first half, did you feel like we were running out of ideas very, very quickly? Because I felt like that. Yeah, yeah, no, I did. Um, I, I mentioned it on the last podcast as well that I feel like at the moment, and I know a lot of it comes down to confidence, and things just don't seem to be breaking for us or going our way, the players seem to lose confidence pretty quickly. Um, and I think that was evident again on, on, on Saturday there. Um, we were getting some success down the right, um, I just don't it, it frustrates me because we get regardless of what formation we've played this season we've always got a lot of success when we play the balls in behind the opponent's fullbacks like between for example the right centre half and the right back or the left centre half and the, the left back and, and that was a, a game where our, our first and our main chance came from before our offside goal where Miko misses it by inches. Like the ball gets played in behind their left back and their left centre half. A good cross for once for Chris Cadden, and we're millimetres away for taking the lead there. And it's a similar chance where we get the offside goal as well, where um, for once Stevenson stays inside the park instead of being out wide. Trebriah gets up the park, plays the ball into Melkerson, who makes a lovely run. Um, a lot of our success has came from those types of balls, but it just seems that if it doesn't happen two or three times, we just lose, not lose interest, but we lose direction, aye, and it's frustrating to see. We'll talk about that offside goal. The now 
like you said, it was a, a lovely ball through to Melkerson, who I thought did very, very well. Um, and then, you know, he's offside by a kneecap. It's a good finish in the end by Miko. But, um, I mean, the VR decision, yes, it's the right call. He is offside. He's offside by a kneecap. We were talking about it last week with the benefit of the doubt stuff. I think that's now completely ruled out with the introduction of VAR. There's absolutely no need to give a benefit of a doubt one way or the other when it can be objectively decided yeah. as to what what the outcome should be. Um, it won't that changes, though. Well, when, yeah. the, the more we have VAR, it won't surprise me if they start to be a little bit more lenient with the backlash that is getting at the moment. This is where I'm, this is where I'm going. With the time that it took for the referee to decide that, it, or the VAR officials to decide that it was offside and not a goal, do you think that they're they're going to start? Do you think they're going to start rushing it? Because I mean, at Rugby Park there was no correspondence from the announcer as to what was being checked, if it was a yeah. foul, if it was offside, or whatever, you know. And there was Kilmarnock fans booing, Hibs fans booing. Is this teething problem, Sean, or you know, is it just the signs that Scottish football really doesn't far doesn't belong here? Um, it is it is teething problems. Um, it probably doesn't belong here either because uh, our game is unrivaled and it's it's you can't compare the Scottish game to any other league in my opinion. It's just no, it's the last pure league in the world. Um, so. Yeah, it's teething problems. Um, maybe because there isn't a screen there, it's, it leaves the fans more in the in the dark. Now we were maybe hoping for somebody like Barry to get on the the tannoy and tell us what was going on. Um, but yeah, I think with a lot of the decisions, I've said it. Mark said it. I'm sure you and Craig have said it. A lot of the decisions that VAR look at should pretty much be black and white. It shouldn't take too long. I don't want the two of us to sound like a broken record, but um, it just it's t- it's taking the piss with a lot yeah. of the decisions. We've got yes, he should be getting benefit of the doubt to attacking player, but I said it, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I think the referees are absolutely bricking it whenever there's a decision to be made, and I think they're eager to make a decision of some form using VAR to show that it's there and it's getting used rather than maybe always getting the right outcome, um, which yeah. obviously leads us on to their penalty, which which we'll obviously talk about. But then if you look at how long our offside goal took, how long it took to decide their penalty, um, how long it took, or, or in fact, when they looked at the Ryan Porches incident mm-hmm. um, after their penalty, Ryan Porches goes down very, very softly, very similar to the Kamarnock instant. Um, they don't look at it initially. Ball goes out of play. Kelly take a throw in. We, they then get to the other end of the pitch. Ball goes out. And then they look at something. And I don't know what they're looking at then because there wasn't anything between the ball going out after the Porches incident to the other side of the park. But then they took about four minutes looking at that as well. So um, a bit of communication is would be obviously clear and, and would help, but they need to really, really quicken all all decisions up, really. Yeah, well, I mean, it's difficult for these wee daddy teams who don't have a big screen or anything like that, you know, to, to show the correspondence, but, you know, like something from the announcer. I mean, he probably, at the end of the day, he probably didn't like, care what was going on either. I so, I mean, um, what, what chance have you got? It's a nice segue, though, onto the Kelly penalty. Um... This one, uh, this one was an odd one for me because I thought initially it was miles outside the box yeah, uh, from where I was standing. Um, obviously, it goes down. The referee is standing with his hand to his ear for a good five minutes, a good four or five minutes. It took ages. Yeah. I'm not too sure if it just felt like it was longer because you know we were standing there watching it unfold. But it or felt not, like it or not took, unfold. Yeah, exactly. It felt like it took about four or five minutes. What I was unsure about is why 
a decision was taken to change his mind from a free kick to a penalty. And also, um, with the offside, and it didn't go to the monitor either time. Well, with, I, I, I understand exactly why he didn't go to the monitor for both instances. So I'll try and explain it the best that I know anyway, or, or to my understanding of it, um, which I'll obviously think I'm right. <laughs> but um, the offside, you don't need to go to the the um, the on-field screen to look at it. As soon as it's drawn up, uh, as soon as the lines are drawn up in the, in the base, that should be it. Should be black and white, um, regardless of whether you, the player gets an advantage or not. Uh, offside is offside. You draw the lines. The lines are there. Whether they've done the lines correctly or not, it's a different conversation. But the lines are the lines. So therefore, you don't need to go to the screen for it. For the penalty, um, if he had not gave a foul, which he had gave, um, if he hadn't given a, a foul and the ball runs out, if they were going to obviously look at it, um, play wouldn't have continued. There would have been a stoppage. And because a decision hadn't been made by the referee at that point, he would have potentially been encouraged to go and have a second look at that incident at the screen and then decide if it was a foul or not. But because he had already decided that it was a foul, albeit he said a free kick, because he's already decided that there's a foul there, VR are then looking at, is it in the box or out of the box? Right. So VR weren't spending the four or five minutes deciding if it was a foul or not, although they probably should have. They were looking at whether it was in the box or out, in or out the box. How does it take four or five minutes to decide whether it's know. in or out the box? I don't know. That's sports, a joke. Sports scene had two angles of it, and then they zoomed in on, on the collision it's one of the softest penalties you'll you'll see. I think I actually probably said that two weeks ago that it was maybe the one of the softest decisions you'll ever see. And yet I'm saying it again. Um, I think with VAR, it's meant to be for clear and obvious errors. I've not seen anyone. I mean, I don't follow any Kelly fans anywhere. I don't think, or I've not seen any Kelly fans moaning or anything like that. I've not. I'm yet to see someone that said that it was a foul and that it was a penalty whether it was on the radio or on yeah. TV, um, everyone seems to be unanimous in the fact that it wasn't a foul. So if, if VAR is there to fix clear and obvious errors, then if that is deemed as an error, then then he should have then been going to look at, at the screen. But clearly in the, um, in the box at, somewhere in Glasgow, they've agreed that it is a foul. So the only thing they're then looking at is whether it was in or out of the box. And I, I agree with you completely. It shouldn't have taken anywhere near that time. Yeah, I think, I mean, Chabria does make contact. I think in this day and age, if you make any contact in the box and a player goes down, it's more it's likely to be given a penalty. Yeah, uh, it is stupid from him, though. And I do feel he had another poor game. Um, but yeah, it, gives, it gives the ref a decision. So. Although, I mean, you say he had a poor game. I don't think many Hibs players really, you know, got past marks for me anyway. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I think out of starting 11, Melkerson's the only one that gets past marks. You could Melkerson maybe... looks like the only one who who actually cared about, you know, dragging the team up the park. I said I say that a hundred times on Saturday, it looked like nobody playing in, in you know, Mint Green cared at yeah. all up until 15 minutes to go where we started, you know, throwing the battering ram at them, which is really frustrating for, you know, a supporter's point of view. We've went there, we've paid our money. It's a, a longer trip. It's one of the longer trips yeah. um, in the Premiership. It's not anywhere near, you know, like an Aberdeen or a, a Ross County or anything, but, you know, it's a, a Saturday close to Christmas. We've paid our hard-earned money and it looked as if they couldn't, like, give less of a fuck. Yeah. for 75 of the 90 minutes which I don't know if you agree but for me that's what frustrated me the most No, I do, I, I do agree obviously um, it's it's hard to say I mean we're not saying that they don't care uh, we're obviously saying that it just comes across like that with the performance um, out of the starting 11 Melkerson's the only one that got the pass marks for me 
even if you include all the subs, I would only then throw McCurdy in there, which obviously will come on to his performance when, when we talk about his entry to the park and his beautiful Barnet. Um, you can't even say that Marshall gets pass marks because they only didn't have anything to do. No, exactly. They didn't have. They only had one shot on goal, and it was a penalty. He had absolutely jack shit else to do. Um, you could see, although he had a poor performance, Stevenson was trying his absolute arse off to get something going. Paul Hanlon was doing his usual World Cup crossfield balls. Barely any of them were coming off. Porches was the same he's been for the last three or four weeks. So. Newell and Kenner were very, very off it for me as well. Um, it's just an all very similar to the county game, a, a bad day at the office. But the difference between this game and the Ross County game is we actually created a bit, but just done absolutely nothing with it again in the final third story of the season. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's odd when you look at the stats. It's uh, one shot on t- 15 shots, one on target. And but it felt like, you know, we battered them for yeah. the final 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. Uh, that's when Harry McCurdy came on, sporting a, a lovely Marek Hamsik-esque mohawk. I think that was, you know, probably the highlight of my day, is seeing that, <laughs> seeing that bonnet. Because he was wearing a hat when he was warming up before the I game. I don't even think it was a hat. I think it was a snood that he'd maybe tatties, you know. I, I think so. But it, it sums him up. Do you know what I mean? Right. I love the guy. I love him. He came on and my dad went, what the fuck has he done to his hair, man? And I was like, Kim, what? You just can't, you can't, you cannot predict what this, what this man is going to do next. He's an absolute rascal. He really is. <laughs> but, Sean, despite the fact that we got beat, despite the fact that the performance was very, very poor across the board, I thought that was McCurdy's best moments in a hip shirt. So far, it looked like he came on. He had a point to prove. Yep. It looked as if he was trying to get on the ball, trying to make things happen. Not everything that he tried came off. There was a lot of times where he tried something daft. Uh, no daft, but like you know what I mean? Like something that, you know, stick to the basics when you're 1-0 down. Like you yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you can understand, you know, why he's, why he's done it, but... You know, from a supporter's point of view, it's frustrating when these things didn't come off. You know, when they come off, it's brilliant, but when they don't, it's frustrating. But, you know, his best moments in a hip shirt so far for me, Sean, uh, what did you think of him when he came on? Yeah, I, I think I find it very hard to disagree with that. I know he's had very, very minimal minutes. I was glad that he got a, a decent enough run out. Um, you talk about players caring and, and try to drag the team forward. For me, if Melkerson and McCurdy weren't on that pitch in the second half, I don't think we would have got anywhere near the, the final third. Um, yeah. to, to memory, I remember Melkerson having two chances, one that he maybe should cut back to Campbell or maybe hit first time. You've got Melkerson's overhead kick. You've got Henderson's blast wide with his left foot where he should maybe cut hit you. Yeah. And that came from Melkerson as well. Um, McCurdy had a couple of chances. Paul Hanlon's free header. Oh, I'm still hunting. I'm still hunted by that. That's. I don't know how he's. I think that got deflected that by point. a Hibs player as well. Well, we ended up. We ended up getting another corner from it. I'm sure. So, but even then, like, we, and then obviously the two pinball chances in the box. I think we had. I heard Lee Johnson's comments after the game, and he said that we we done enough to win the game, and I was like. Is he all right? Like, give me some of what what he's had. But watching it back, we did have lots of chances, and I felt, a, lot of, a lot of that did come from McCurdy when he came on because I feel like the tempo just went to another level when when. Yeah, he I do feel like we did have enough chances to win the game, but you've got to when these chances crop up. I think sometimes when it's no your day, it's no your day. But sometimes I don't feel like we had anyone. I know Melkerson and. McCurdy really grabbed the game and like up the tempo and tried to make things happen but there was no one there who grabbed the game by the scruff of the neck and thought fuck it we are we're just going to push forward and battle 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 and then we're eventually going to get this goal it's going back to that what we said last week is that where's the resilience gone in this team where's the the fight until the final whistle gone 
in this team. Uh, it's it's frustrating to sit here and say that, given how well we performed at the start of the year. Um, aye. The thing, is, the thing is, a lot of our play, other than a couple of really poor performances, like actual performance-wise, a lot of our play has been the exact same all season. And now we're just not getting the luck of the green. We're just not getting those chances. We're getting the offside goals. Like, Miko's had two or three offside goals himself alone. Um, it's just, there's a a very dark grey shadow over the club at the moment um, and its performances and, and everyone involved. And unfortunately... I don't see it ending considering the, the teams that we're, we're going to come up against after the break, uh, regardless of who we have back. I think the longer Kevin Nisbet is out, the better he's becoming as a player. Um, so Same thing that happened with Doidge last, yeah. last season. Yeah, um, which makes it even more frustrating when Johnson comes out with the comments after the game saying that he wishes he'd used... Kevin Nisbet in three of the last games because he's been able to play. Like he's not even in the squad. So like, do you know what I mean? Don't come out and say that when we've lost these three games. Do you know what I mean? Maybe keep that in house and learn for that as a manager. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that that's, you know, Lee Johnson can go and he can say this and that about Kevin Nisbet all he wants, but at the end of the at the end of the ninety six minutes or whatever was played on Saturday, he had used two of his five substitutes. He left Yuan. Jair Tavares on the bench who yeah. you know they're two players who can come on and you know they've got pace they can try and pull players out of position yeah he, he never he decided not to use them can you yeah. see any rationale why he didn't I can understand why he's not put Tavares on because he is more of a wider player and the fact that he's not been overly great and I have shot albeit he's not had a run of games and a run of minutes and stuff um I was maybe baffled a strong word, um, but I was uh, I wasn't happy not to see you and not you and not on the park. Um, I felt when McCurdy came on and Henderson came on, we started to stretch the game a wee bit, and it was different to Ross County where we were lumping the ball in and we had about forty crosses and they were all over hit. On Saturday, I feel like we were getting in behind quite a bit in the second half. I feel like we were finding wee pockets of space on the edge of the box. And I feel like that's maybe somewhere where we could have maybe utilised you and um, even if I understand why he kept Miko on because of his his height. Um, and, but, he, and he hadn't been booked. Yeah, and he'd not been booked. But he puts Ryan Porteous up top for the last five, ten minutes to get another large you've body a, up there. You've got a like, cycle on the bench, man. I know, like just... Take take the hit and maybe take like was it Stevenson that ended up at left back? Take him off or take Paul Hanlon off or Caden or even Campbell or just someone else and then just get another attacker on there and maybe just really throw the kitchen sink in there. I wouldn't have been happy if I was one of those attackers um, on on the pitch. I understand why he's not brought like Mitchell on because of obviously the performance the other night. The only other player on that bench that should have came on for me was was Eli Yuan, um, and I feel like it was a missed opportunity for for everyone involved. Yeah, no, I was I was kind of confused as to why he's no brung Yuan on. Um, he's, more of a, mate, he's more of a striker as well. So regardless, in a game like that, in the last, even if it's the last five ten minutes with those two pe- penalty all you got to lose scraps, yeah, like. They, a Derek McInnes side that's won the lot with 10 minutes to go ain't flooding bodies yeah. forward. They're not flooding bodies forward. They've got one striker. Like Just leave two bo- leave two defenders at the back. Leave Cadden and Hanlon or Cadden and Stevenson. If you've got Portis up top, chuck Yuan on. And Yuan would have been in the middle of that. He wouldn't have been out wide, whereas Tavares is a wide player, so he would have naturally drifted out wide. Like Yuan wants to play up front. And I'm not saying it would have... Would have got the goal, but I think we would have had more of a chance with the opportunities we had at the end of the game. Yeah, I just find it baffling that, you know, in the middle of the pitch was in. There's attacking options that are, you know, that are more attacking than the likes of Joe Newell, Josh Campbell, etc. on the bench. Uh, He's had the chance to use them and he hasn't used them. Yeah, my, my question for you, Liam, would maybe be, Johnson again after the game said, 
in January he wants to bring in one and two, one or two, and get rid of five or six. If he's only used two of his subs, and he's got two attackers on the bench, the subs that he has made in these defeats, if you have a look at the last three or four games, to me is that maybe telling about who he's wanting to try and maybe force out or get rid of or get put on loan because we have a large squad. This is going to look at us, I mean, we're going to end up in January with egg on our face because we've brought in 15, was it 15 players? Yeah. In the summer. Yeah. And, you know, he's only been using, you know, a core, 15. a core, maybe three or four of them. You know, you've got Miko, Marshall, Rocky, Kenna. Yeah. And you can, only, you can only exclude you and out of that when, when we start to lose games as well. Yeah, exactly. And I just feel like we had so much dominance without doing an awful lot in terms of stats, getting shots on target and stuff, had a lot of the ball in their final third. How on earth do we convert that dominance into goals? (laughs) That's the thing, I can't, even even as a a Hibs fan, or even as a football coach, like, I I can't see it stopping. I think we need as, as good as Josh Campbell has been this season, don't he's, he, don't <laughs> no Josh Campbell slander on this podcast. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not slating him. I'm not slating him. We need someone in the ten that is of a much better quality. Now that's not just him. I feel like we need another strong centre midfielder that isn't that is maybe a level above a Joe Newell or a level above a Noah Kenny. Although Noah Kenny has been very good at times, maybe bringing someone else in to challenge the role that Joe Newell plays, yeah. as well as someone of a better quality of a Josh Campbell, because we've got far too many wide players or players that we're forcing out wide, but we just don't have enough creativity. Creativity. We don't have someone that I know Joe Newell done it up for an offside pass the other week, but we don't have someone that can find that kind That's of one pass of season. Yeah, like a like a, a Scott Allen kind of pass. Do you know what I mean? Um, we need someone of that quality, and I think if we do get someone of that quality, and if we play on the on the back line of the opponents, we will get lots of success. Because if it's Yuan or McCurdy out wide, or Boyle out wide, or Kevin Nisbet, or whoever, or one of the three midfielders making a third run, maybe time to get Dodge back for Kelly. <laughs> I should be in a nursing home, man. Honestly, can't even move. Um, I think that's where where we'll get our success, and I'm hoping that if we are going to bring anyone in, I hope it's not a striker because we've got plenty of them. I think Kevin Nisbet will bang us goals, but we need to get a bit of creativity behind them. It shows that we can be solid at the back because we kept clean sheets at the start of the season, so there is a foundation there. We just maybe need, we're lacking confidence a lot. Um, I think. We really need to concentrate on this January window and a on a core centre midfielder that will be able to not only get us goals but be very very creative yeah. and dominant in the middle of the park. I'd like to see a centre midfielder come in and also a winger, so we can stop Shoehorn and Yuan and McCurdy into those wide positions where yeah. they're more clearly comfortable through the middle. But after all that, Sean, who's to blame? Who is it? The players? Is it the recruitment? Is it Lee Johnson? Who's to blame for this slumpy form, six defeats in seven? After it was looking so promising, a mere seven weeks ago. <laughs> a mere seven weeks. Um, I think. I mean, when you're on a run that, that that's that bad, I think everyone plays a part in in taking the blame. Um, I obviously don't think Johnson should get sacked. I don't think he is the no way, no the, way. The, no, I don't. I don't think he's the core issue here because we said ten games into his reign that it's starting to come together, and then it's just a loss of confidence. I think the recruitment team, all of them, not just the person that heads the recruitment, um, we'll not get into that game. Should we? take the brunt. I, I, the thing is, like, regardless of who signs off on what or or who finds these players like there's a there's a team of six people in that recruitment team whoever finds who isn't 
it, it makes no difference to me, but the outcome has been poor. So whoever is making those decisions, whether it's the final one or the ones that allow it to get to the final stage, they need to take a brunt of the blame. But most importantly for me, the players need to take the, the brunt of it as well. Lee Johnson obviously signs off on players or hypothetically, if he's given three players in front of him, he then needs to pick who he thinks is the best out of those three to sign. So he needs to take a brunt of that as well. But he does have a core squad there that is from previous regimes and previous windows as well. So um, he can only deal with what he's got in front of him. I prefer our manager just to concentrate on um, managing managing the, the squad that he has. So whether that that means that we maybe need to bring in a, a directory football to work alongside the head of recruitment and the recruitment team, then that might be an avenue to explore as a club. Um, but from a form perspective, obviously the players play a massive part in that. You just need to look at the last 10, 11 games, lost six, one, five, obviously. Yeah. So, do you know what I mean? If, if we had played these 11 games and we had won one, then lost one, then won another, then lost another... I don't think the outcry would be as bad as it is because we would be winning one week, then losing the next. We would just be crying about the consistency. But we're I think just... it's the nature, the nature yeah. of the defeats as well. You know, against the teams, with all due respect to Kilmarnock, Ross County, fucking whoever else has beaten us, St Johnston. You know, these are teams that realistically, a team that's pushing for third should be beaten because. They're the teams that are going to be, the, you know, the bottom six dwellers. Without sounding, you know, disrespectful to these teams, they're not going to be pushing for the heights that that, that us, Hearts and Aberdeen, uh, and you know, even to an extent, maybe Motherwell at some points, will be pushing for. We that's always been our our problem, not being able to beat these diddy teams. I'll be disrespectful now and call them diddy teams. <laughs> these wee shite teams. Uh, but I mean, I just going back to who's to blame. I think you're right. I think the players need to take a lot of it. I think the manager needs to take some of it for his selection. The recruitment team, yeah, they they brought in 15 players. Surely they didn't think that all 15 were going to be hits. There's going to be some hits and some misses. Probably more misses than hits with 15 new players in. I mean, the thing is, when you're bringing that number of players in. How quickly are you expecting even the hitters to hit the ground running? Like over fifteen, you're not going to even expect five to be unbelievable. It's only Miko really. It's only really Miko that's hit the ground running for me. Yeah. I mean, but what Boyle doesn't really count because he's uh, a previous yeah, player knows the club. Like, he was on holiday. He was on holiday for six months. You know, fucking playing Call of Duty or whatever he was doing in Saudi Arabia. Uh, I mean, Marshall, I would say Marshall. That, that was in the pipeline before. He's a goalie. He's a goalie. I mean, how much informed can you really be? Uh, I think Miko is the only one for me that's really hit the ground running and adapted really well. But I don't know, Sean. I don't know. I don't know where the results are going to change. I don't know how how deep this problem goes <laughs> at the club. I think we've missed, like, I think we've really, really missed a big big opportunity the last five, six, seven weeks to submit ourselves as a European side. Um even just lot, the last two weeks. We, I know, I know. But like now now we're what five points behind Aberdeen. We've played a game extra. We're going into a game uh, we're going into our next five fixtures where we where we play both the old firm, we play Livy, we play Hearts and we play Motherwell. And the Motherwell game's away as well. The Livy game's at home doesn't matter whether you play Livy home or away, it's tough. doesn't matter, like, Motherwell away is tough. And against the old firm, you're just... The way we're playing, we're not going to get anything. Nah, you're, 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 hoping, you're hoping for... Uh, this might seem harsh, but as an, at an absolute best, you're hoping that Rangers are still off the boil and you can maybe nick a draw at Ibrox. You're maybe hoping that you can maybe steal Celtic on a bad day at home with a crowd, if you get a big crowd... In reality, though, isn't it? It's just damage limitation. I know. At this, at this moment in time. I know. Because if we had won however many of the last six or seven, I know it's hypothetical and it's a waste of time even talking about it, but because of the inconsistency of all the other teams in the league, 
we could be sitting pretty in third or even fourth. But again, we're consistently inconsistent against the shite of the league. We are, we are indeed. But listen, we'll leave all this negativity behind us. We'll move on to something maybe a little bit more positive. Maybe, you for, and I maybe were, from you. Maybe from you, <laughs> not from me. You and I were both at Rugby Park on Saturday, so let's listen to your Premiership review. Which pie is the best in the pie review? Which pie is the best in the pie review? So, Sean, you go first. You've got your review. I'm trying to find mine on my phone here. Same. I've actually got two. I've got one from Aberdeen and one from Kilmarnock, which right, Craig well, never got down to my Aberdeen one last week. Do you want to do your Aberdeen one first and then we can go into mine and then we can go into your Kelly? Yes, let's do that first. Nice and chronological. Uh, Aberdeen. Plus, I feel like the, I feel like we should maybe get this pod a little bit more upbeat. So, <laughs> and I know, and, and I know, my pie review is not an upbeat one. So, <laughs> I mean, I was, I was reeking at Aberdeen. So, I'm going off purely what I've got on my phone. Pure vibes. Yeah, I've got, um, I've got price as a two. It was four pound ten. I think that's a fucking disgrace. That is unbelievable. That's that's. I'd, I'd want, I'd want a meal. Like, I'd want a side. I'd want a pie and a side for that poor that's £4.10 I mean that's virgin and a no that's like no wonder they've had a good summer transfer window where all the bodies are bringing <laughs> in £4.10 each jeez oh exactly I've got temperature 3 a bit hot but good I must have been pissed when I wrote this a bit hot but good crust 4 so close so tasty too thick <laughs> So overall, overall, it seems like a, like you had a good pie, but that could have been clouded by however many pints you'd sinked by the time you yeah. got. Sinked. Pints have sinked. Aye. We give Gav Dick a, a, a hard time for his grammar. And you're coming out with shite like sinked. Aye. Is it no sunk? Whatever. It works. <laughs> it works, doesn't it? Uh, and then to finish it off, Thillin was a four. And I've put so close... But ratio off, too much meat. And if I remember rightly, the meat was kinda it was kinda not gristly, but you know when it's a, a little bit stringy. Mm, but it, it yeah. didn't it wasn't it didn't obviously I thought it was pretty good. So that gives Aberdeen uh, a final score of thirteen out of twenty, which is actually pretty reasonable for my table. I think that puts it That's that, quite high that, for you, like that's yeah. like the Europa League spots <laughs> in my table at the moment. So Give us yours from Rugby Park. Uh, right, so temperature was a two. Um, it was the outside of the pie was piping. And by the time I got into the pie, the pie was really good on the inside temperature wise. But the outside of it was that that hot. You could struggle to get your fingers like underneath it to hold it properly. Did you burn uh, your mouth? Oh, from the outside of the pie, yes. The inside of the pie was 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 delicious. Um, crust was a two. Um, it, it did start to fall apart a bit. I say a bit. It completely fell apart. Um, so I feel like if the crust was maybe a bit stronger and a bit better, then um, it certainly would have helped. The filling was was great, brilliant. It was a four. Um, maybe could have been a a, a wee bit more filling. Um, a wee bit more in there, um, but I guess that's uh, impacted by the fact that it fell apart. Uh, and because of all the above, I think that the price is a one. I feel like it oh was it three, was it three thirty or three seventy? Three seventy. So I still feel like that's quite high. I, I feel like if I'd got the pie that you had got, I definitely think the price would have been more fair. But I think because Kelly pies are renowned as being so so good. The fact that mine's completely did you go in there with high expectations? Yes, off of previous pies as well. Your dreams have been shattered. A bit like uh, a bit like Hibs the last six or seven weeks. We'd just the pie just absolutely capitulated and is was atrocious. Well, I mean, I've got a polar opposite review to you. Actually, does that give me a total of? 
I think I calculated. I think it's nine. Nine. I think it's nine. I don't think Meister Road Pie was that high either. You no, your Easter Road Pie was ten. Aye, I'm harsh. You're harsh. You're the hard man to please. So for me, for context, um, I know it doesn't look like I'm a man who eats three pies in a day, but uh, I bought three pies from Kelly on Saturday. I only ate two because I dropped one on the floor. Well, I was eat- I was eating the first one. I I bought two at once, and I was eating the first one. I dropped my second one, and I'm I'm not gonna lie. I was absolutely fucking fuming. Eh? I was I was boiling. I was so angry. And my dad kept trying to like make a joke. Eh? And I was like, it's no fucking funny. It's no fucking funny. The thing is, <laughs> to put it into like, context though, I I just entered the ground, and I'd literally as soon as I came into the ground, I was welcomed by you. It was like you were waiting. Exactly. For me. I was. You had two pies, and I really thought I was really hoping one of those were for my, for me, but <laughs> uh, obviously not. Forgetting the size that you are, you know, and how you love a pie, Liam. Um, I do love a pie. So that, I think that made me more annoyed that finding out how good your pie was, and then I had literally just went and got one right after you, and then mine being so good. Well, it wasn't. It wasn't the the first one that I ate that I've reviewed. It's the second one that I ate that I reviewed because the first one was just like kind of mediocre. Like I, I was like, oh, it's a bit. It's not really, you know, the Kelly Pie standard. But I was, I was fuming, eh? Like, so I don't feel like I gave that one a fair, a fair thought. So yeah. uh, then went back down the stair, got another one, came back up. So here is my review of that pie. And as the temperature is a four, it was a shade too hot. Um, I think it was a four because by the time that I bit into it, I was right up two rows for the back of the stand. So, you know, all the cold air is hitting it as I'm walking up the walking up the stairs and it's kinda of maybe acted as a unnatural kind of coolant for the pie. So it's a four for the temperature. The crust is a four. I feel like because it cooled a little bit by the time I got up to the top of the stairs, it had kind of firmed a wee bit. And it was it was it was a little bit too soggy. But I quite liked it. I quite liked a, a, a wee bit of soggy pastry. So that's a four. Filling is a five. The filling was absolutely superb. The gravy was beautiful, just like I remember it in the good old uh, in the good old days with, you know, Colin Calderwood and Pat Fenlon and all that as a manager. Great days. Oh, superb days. Um, so it's a five. I think that's the second five that I've handed out this season uh, for filling. The first five was at Ross County. And the price was a four because for £3.78, it's more than I would usually expect to pay for a pie. I like it between £3 and £3.50. Uh, £3.78, I feel like it's a four because the quality of pie that you got for the price was exceptional for me. And that brings Kilmarnock to a very tasty 17 out of 20 and puts them top of my leaderboard, Pippin Ross County by... Two points. Very, very happy for you. I'm happy for Kilmarnock. You know, in a, a dull day, uh, that was a, a very, very bright moment. So that concludes, obviously, our our premiership for the next five weeks. And um, we're going to follow that straight up by answering your questions. Now it's time to answer the Hibs Ramble listener questions. Okay, so... We'll go first. We've got quite a few questions this week, so thank you to everyone who reached out. If you want to um, get involved with the podcast and ask questions, every every time that we record, we usually record on a Monday night, um, we'll put a tweet up in the Monday morning or whatever morning that we're recording asking for questions and the everyone's questions. I, I can't even say we pick the best ones because they're all the best ones because we love everyone. Um so we'll start off. Kyle McLennan. What a second name that is, by the way. He says, what is the main problem right now and what is the solution? I think we I think we touched on that with um, talking about the manager, the players and, and the recruitment team. I think it is a mixture of the three. Uh, so I think we have already touched on it. What the solution is, pff, your guess is as good as mine at the moment. I would probably go back to my point about... Um, 
trying to get a, a stronger starting eleven uh, and a more submitted starting eleven and try and give them a run of games and try and play our best players in, in their best positions instead of shoehorning people in. Feels like a very good point, Sean. Very good point, well made. John McIntosh asks, I'm sure you can... Uh, you already know what's coming. Uh, yeah, you don't even need to ask the question. We'll just get straight into the answers. Uh, I don't know what I'm having for dinner tonight. Probably a pasta dish. Um, and I most certainly will be looking forward to it once I find out what it is. Well, John, I am having... I got a... I was in Aldi yesterday. And it is a... It's a filled Yorkshire pudding. Like, with beef and tatties and vegetables and stuff. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm absolutely starving. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. He also says, thank God for the World Cup break. Not a question, but a statement. Don't worry, John. Craig's not here tonight to dig you out for that. So we'll we'll allow you to, to send us a statement in this week. Haley asks, is VAR actually making the game better? The kneecap offside is just ridiculous and is taken away from what the offside rule was really brought in for. I think VAR... If it's implemented correctly, will make the game better because it will take out the the silliness of Scottish referees. But it needs a lot of work, and it also needs the referees to be better. I don't and know what you think. Nah, I completely, I, yeah, I completely agree. I think from a, a longevity perspective, you want to get the right outcome. Um, VAR will eventually assist the referees in getting the right outcome. I mean what what would what would you rather have people get a one a one glance at a, a view and make a human error or the opportunity to have a look at that again and even if they still make the human error twice at least they've had the opportunity to look at it. So exactly. it just needs to be made quicker. Exactly. Um at HFC team for me asks do you think the recruitment has been poor this season? Personally when um, when Craig and I did the the transfer window review at the start of the season, I didn't. I thought that it was a a pretty good window. I still think that. I still think the players that we've brought in have improved the squad. I think the players that we've brought in compared to the players that have left, we're in a better position at this point than we were in the last day of last season. Um, for me, I don't know what you think, Sean. Uh, I've got to I've got to agree with that. I think if you look at the squad that finished the this time last year in comparison to the squad now we are we do have a stronger squad. Um yeah, completely agree. Uh, albeit your opinions of it not yours but the general <laughs> opinion is obviously going to be swayed by whether we're winning or or losing. So when we were yeah. when we were on our winning streak was no, one, brilliant no, one, yeah, no one mentioned the recruitment team, but then as soon as you lose a couple of games, it gets mentioned straight away. So I feel like people need someone to point the finger at. Yeah. And it's just human nature to do that, but you know, it's it's, yeah. it's a to bit. To be silly. fair, I, I, obviously I wasn't part of the the ramble at that time, but I didn't think it was a a strong window. I think the the signing of Boyle really really saved it. And I think if we didn't sign Boyle, then uh, Ron Gordon might have lost a lot of support. Um, I'm still unconvinced by the window, but I do agree that it's in a better position. Yeah, well, if you've not listened to that um, transfer window review that Craig and I did, it was uh, a fair few weeks back now. It was, I don't know, maybe episode seven or eight, something like that. And we went through every signing that... Oh, my God, I've just chucked my pen on the floor. It went through every signing that we've made, ranked them out of ten, and then it gave us a final score and we fell into one of four categories. So if you're interested in what we thought about the signings at the start of the season, then go and give that I one a listen. Be, I, know we're, I know we're going to do it. I know we're going to release our mid-season review soon, so you can listen out for that. I think it'll also be good for you and Craig to review... Review the review. All of us, all of us review the end of the January window, but you can also re-review your summer one and compare you know what your thoughts are at this stage so that'll be a yeah. good one to listen to as well exactly and um, mike williamson asks should var be more like rugby union on screen ref talking through every stage of the decision offside measured by the feet only 
total transparency. I think that's an absolute no-brainer. I've been saying it for years. I think the ref should be mic'd up for telly games. I think it would really benefit the supporters. I think it would also benefit the referees in that people would then understand why they're making the decisions that they're making and it would give them a little bit less scrutiny, maybe encourage more people to be referees. Um, every every Diddy team to have a screen as well. I mean, you would, you would need that. Not not all not all clubs are as rich as us. All clubs have got a money bag zona. Um, Gav Dick, you'll be glad to hear that Craig's not on the podcast this week, so he won't be able to butcher the spelling in your tweet. I'm just actually going through it now. Oh fucking hell, Gav! Do uh, I think he I think he does it on purpose, you know? I think, I think he does. Gav I think does I think I think it's getting worse on purpose. So fair play to him. I, the the funniest one was last week and he sent the tweet twice and he spelled <laughs> a, different wrong, wrong. a different word wrong twice. I think he's I think he's completely doing that on purpose because it made me laugh. He says, do Uzis think we need to bring in a sporting direct? Instead have Ian Gordon <laughs> Instead have Ian Gordon in charge of transfers. Hope the grammar is up to Craig's standards this time. <laughs> Thumbs up. Uh, I think, I, I, that's what, I, what did he say? A sporting director? Sporting that direct. sporting is, that, director. is that the same as a director of football? Fuck knows. I, I think that I think they all they, kind of do the same thing. And different, um, different. My, my answer would be yes to that. I think we you need know. to bring someone in to maybe fill the gap between the manager and the recruitment team. Because um, you can have stats men and you know your money ball type of people in the in the recruitment team, but if they don't understand the sport or don't understand Scottish football, then it's not going to work. Maybe that's why some of the signings haven't worked. So um, I feel like there is a void that the club need to fill, uh, whether they do it or not. We'll wait and see. Yeah, next one is from Jeff Ashton, long-time listener. Uh, Jeff, he usually gets involved each week. He asks, is it time for someone else in midfield in place of Newell? He's looked jaded in the last three games. There is no supply to the front men apart from crosses, some from far out. Apart from the offside goal on Saturday and Mikos versus St Mirren, when have we cut through teams? And I think we were we were talking about this before. Um, you know, it's it's difficult sometimes when you're playing teams that are camping in, but there seems to be no cutting edge without Boyle, Sean. Yeah, I think even even with Boyle pre, um, see, so, sorry, post arrival coming back, I think we've just not been that great at, at doing that at all. Um, I mentioned it last week where the most success we've had all season is when we have been able to drive at players and get to the byline and cut them back. or And, and that's freed up a lot of space at the edge of the box for Newell and, and Josh Gamble to make those third man runs. And I do think that that will play a vital part in the, the second half of the season. And I really do hope that we go back to a, a 2-3-1 against the majority of, of sides because I think with yeah. the players we have that that will bring us success. So on the second part of his question, well, the first part of his question, he says, is it time to try someone else in place in Newell? I think I'd like to see wee Murray Aiken get in. You know, in the, the games that I've watched of the 19s, I think he's looked really promising. Uh, it looks like someone who wants to get on the ball, drive forward, you know, make things happen. I think. Chuck the lad yeah, in. I think, I think it's all good and well saying something like that, but when we are eighth in the league, five points off third, on a bad runny form, if we bring him in when confidence is already low in the squad and it doesn't work, you could kill the lad. Um, and it could make things worse, not only for... Like Johnson, I'm not saying bringing him in would cause Johnson to lose his job, but what I'm saying is you don't want to... You don't want to bring someone like that in and it go wrong and it it's a detriment to him because he is a very, very talented player and I do feel like he should he should get a chance along with a few of the other players for the 19s. I think some of the players that we sent out on loan probably should should have got a chance, but unfortunately haven't either. Um, yeah. I think Big Alan Delfieri would have done a great job so far the first half of the season, but he got chucked out on loan as well, didn't he? Exactly, yeah. Uh, next one comes from Joe. He says, if each of you were to have a reign as manager of Hibs, which current player would you take on as your assistant? And don't go for a boring bullshit answer like Stevenson or Hanlon or Marshall, because that's boring and predictable. So of the current squad, of the current would, squad, 
Who, who would be take as your assistant? Who would be my assistant manager? Aye. Well, I wouldn't want someone like Joe Neal standing next to me because then I'd look even uglier than I already am. And you'd look like you have less hair than you already do. Well, exactly. Um, mm. So you'd want someone that's absolutely ganting next to you. Um, that is a great question, by the way. Uh, I'm going to jump in. I'll let you go first. I'd take Harry McCurdy. <laughs> purely, purely because, you know, I think he would keep the players in check. He would have that little bit of banter with the players. He'd get to, he'd get to know them and then relay it to me. And I think that it would just be an absolute laugh to have Harry McCurdy as an assistant manager. I'd love to have him. It's annoying that you're not letting me pick a, a, an obvious answer. Uh, no, because that's boring. No one wants to hear an obvious answer, Sean. Come on, the fuck. Does uh, Darren McGregor count? Nah, he's handsome nah. as well. Can't have him. Nah. Can't have nah. him. Uh, I would look even uglier again. You can't pick any of the 2016 squad. I'll go with... And keep so, in mind here, whatever player that you say is... Obviously, who you think is ugly. <laughs> so, let's just hope that that player's no listening. I take, I take, I take my, I take my, my comment back about looks because we have a very handsome squad. I feel like we have the most handsome squad in the league, might I add. Well, we're um, up there. well, we just need to have a look at the squad. Stevenson, Newell, Kukarevic. Come on, I'm going to push you for the answer. Come on, I want my tea. I'll go, I'll go, Martin Boyle just for banter. Martin Boyle. Just for about an eye. Good effort. And he's not the best looking either, is he, Boyle? Well, you said it. <laughs> Still more you... than me. I'd, put, I'd get advice from him where he got his transplant and I'd go get mine. <laughs> He'd probably need to lend you the money for that. Aye, well, he's got enough, so. Exactly. Uh, some geezer called Colin McLennan asks, who are you supporting at the World Cup? And uh, we were talking about it off air. We'll both be supporting uh, well, the Rambo or supporting Australia. Purely for Martin Boyle, uh, Jackson Oven, Jamie McLaren, and Big JC, Big Cumdingo. Uh, other than that, though, when they inevitably get put out in the group stages, I'll be rooting for Argentina because I want I want be Leo to win a World Cup. Yeah, I second that completely. Uh, and just uh, an addition to that, uh, Lewis Connor asks, uh, he doesn't ask actually, he says, I'll be looking out for Australia. For sure, but we'll also be supporting Germany as I love the national teams and German football as a whole. Which, fair enough. Fair enough. I can't say that I've ever really paid an awful lot of attention to German football. I think I think Portugal have got a very strong squad. So do France and Brazil. So yeah, I think it'll be a good World Cup to be honest. So I hope so. I'm looking forward to it. Unlike a lot of people, I'm looking forward to it in terms of it's a World Cup. I just don't really think that it's in the best circumstances but a World Cup's a World Cup World Cup's a World Cup eh? you know what I mean exactly um, and finally we've got Lorenzo asking many supporters say Johnson should be sacked others say yeah others say players are not enough I guess it's a mix last home last, last game sorry last game home was clear evidence that we don't get that we don't get an attacking idea and lack of defence but the players but players are these why don't they call... To, I think Lorenzo is Italian. <laughs> he has, he's got the Italian badge. I think he's uh, he's Italian, and he, but he loves the hips. You mean, but why? But like, what I players think, are these? Yeah, like, I think... I think uh, he's, he's, yeah. Basically, he's basically touching on your point about bringing youngsters in um, because we, don't, we clearly don't have enough in attack and our defence is a bit all over the place. So he's saying that instead of Johnson, it all being all about Johnson getting sacked, yeah, the players got of, of, of other of other players getting involved. So what players do these? What players could these this be? Basically, yeah. And I'm so I'm sorry, sorry Lorenzo, for butchering you your, that, yeah, so for butchering your um for butchering your your question there. I didn't read it before. Uh, we came on there, so I'm a big Lorenzo fan. Italian, must love his Italian football. Yeah, he's I mean, a, a very well educated man because this he, is your burner account, eh? It's Italian I mean, and Japanese. Maybe you know, got the Japanese flag in there as well. He's obsessed with football and, and J music. Now I'm, I'm not obsessed with J music, more K music, but um, yeah, Lorenzo, you seem like a good lad. Yeah, 
make sure you give Sean a follow. Uh, and yeah, so I mean, I think we we touched on it earlier on. I think it's everyone's kind of not pulling their weight at the moment for the uh, for the results that we've had. I think the breaks come <laughs> come at a good time for us to kind of regroup and settle and and try and go again. And finally, 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 the last point I call uh, in our any other business is Fatis Prickus has asked us to say on the podcast that he's having a chippy for his tea tonight and it's his birthday on Friday. That's about it. Cheers. So we'll leave you with that. We're not going to be silent across the World Cup. We will have some things um, some things planned, some things scheduled to come out um, over the next few weeks. So keep your eyes peeled and we will see you when we see you. But enjoy your break. And you will not especially, want to miss it. Yeah, no, but especially enjoy your break from Hibs. Uh, but we will not be letting up. We'll be working. We'll work courses. But it's been it's been a pleasure again, Sean. Thank you so much for joining me. No, oh, it's been great. It's been great. Right, you away and get your pasta. You too. Go and enjoy a big fat dinner. Love it. <laughs> See you later, folks. Bye bye. Cheers. Bye bye.